Welcome to Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James Podcast. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and due to my busy schedule, it's been a couple weeks since I've been with you, but I hope you have been enjoying the past episodes with Justin Gambino and Pamela Cooper-White on our last episode, and this week is going to be a great episode. Uh, I am so excited to have our guest with us this week. J.R. Foresteros has been a friend for a while now, but he's a friend that I don't get to see very often because Uh, He lives in Texas. Let me tell you quickly about him, and then he has a fascinating story to share on today's show. J.R. Pastors Catalyst Church in Dallas. He co-hosts the fascinating podcast. He wrote a book called Empathy for the Devil, which he has been on this show and we've talked about before. It's amazing. If you haven't read it, there will be links in the show notes for you to go get that. He's on a quest to smoke the perfect brisket. His wife, Amanda, skates for Assassination City Roller Derby as Mother Terrorista, which is also an amazing fact about his family. Um, They are always looking for a new adventure, and their board game collection has been described as excessive and really fun. JR has bylines at Relevant, Think Christian, Real World Theology, and more. And what I wanted to talk about, especially with him today, is he was recently a contestant on the TV game show, Press Your Luck, with host Elizabeth Banks. So there's a lot to talk about today, and I'm going to stop talking and just say, J.R. Foresteros, welcome back to Voices in My Head. Rick, it's so good to be back. Uh, you, you're right. We have been friends for a while, which yeah. is old man code for more than a decade. <laughs> <That's right>. So <laughs> it's it's so good to get to talk with you face to face instead of just on messenger or email or the normal ways we communicate. You as well. I don't know if you remember the the first time that we. I think maybe we met face to face, or one of the first times you came over to my house and we recorded in the basement. And that's the right. Stu- the studio has gotten better since then, and I've been recording my own music at home and uh even even have a couple uh i've never won a grammy but i i, I have nominations now off the songs that i've recorded amazing at home, which is like amazing I, never, I, I definitely the studio was not in that condition to do that quality of work when you were there for sure so but i think your presence blessed it that's what it was that so, must be uh, that's the that. only explanation yeah <laughs> can't be all of your hard work and talent yeah well well lis- <laughs> listeners won't be able to yeah Listeners won't be able to tell it because this is an audio only podcast, but we are on Zoom today and it's so good to see your face because I feel like we are getting to have that face to face conversation and you have an amazing story to tell and I I really want my listeners to be able to hear it. I was listening to your podcast where you got to tell the story and it was so much fun to hear and I had no idea uh, what the process was for a person to get onto a TV game show. And I know that you are a game person to say the least, and this has been one of your childhood dreams. So as we get started today, I, I know we could talk about your your brisket quest. We could talk about your wife's time in roller derby. We could talk about your board game collection, your book, Empathy for the Devil. We could talk about all your podcasting and so many different endeavors. But today we want to talk about Press Your Luck. So tell us first, 
what is your history with with press your luck the game show because it's been around in different iterations for quite some time yeah, this is actually the 40th anniversary of the original air date of Press Your Luck. So wow. it, it was on it was on from 83 to 85. So three years. And I was actually going to ask you, did you watch it back in the day? I remember watching it, not not like religiously or anything, but I, I remember the animated characters. Um, I, I forget what they're called. The the, little, the whammies, the whammies. That's right. The whammies yes. that would come out. And, and you know, that was probably my favorite part as a kid. I remember that. Unquestionably. That's yeah. the best part of the show. No doubt about it. <laughs> and and so it's for, still, still pretty fun watching them today. So for people who don't know, because I found this, people either know the game show and love the game show or they've never heard of it. Okay, uh, and it only ran for three years in the eighties. Uh, I'll that story is crazy, and I'll tell that in a second. But it's not like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or some of these other game shows that have you know these legacy runs where we've mm -hmm. been with them through multiple hosts and they've always been on the air. I mean, three years is not long, and particularly yeah. you're talking about in the eighties, right? But yeah, it's you, you play the game in two two rounds and they each start with trivia questions that are designed to get you what they call spins. Mm. So there's, you know, three questions in the first round, four in the second round. If you buzz in and answer the question you and you get it right, you get three spins after. So like if you and I are playing and they say, you know, what is two plus two and Rick rings in and says four. Then the host says, okay, JR, is it three, four or five? Mm. And I say, yeah, it's four. You know, then Rick gets three spins because he rang in. I only get one spin because I had the multiple choice. Mm. Uh, but again, the trivia is not it's not Jeopardy, right? It's not designed to stump you, right. uh, though. In my episode, I got stumped quite a few times. Uh, it's designed <laughs> it's designed to get everyone spins because the main part of the game is what they call the big board, which is where the podium spins around and you have this big board up there with all these squares on it. Uh, and it, when 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 it's your turn to spin, the board starts, all these squares start lighting up in a random pattern. Hmm. And they even what's in the square changes. It's either a dollar amount or some kind of goofy prize. Like the night we played, there was like limes for life or skydiving in the Grand Canyon or front row <laughs> tickets to a Madonna concert. Like just you have no idea what it's going to be, right? A vending machine. Yeah. Uh, or the whammy, which as you described, these little very poorly animated I call them sort of Tasmanian devils with a cape on. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, the the, the boards go in, it's making the do, 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 do sound. And then the contestants, I, again, I think the part of the fun of the show is they're talking to the board. So they're saying, all right, you know, I see those limes for life. I, you know, I want to want to make me some guacamole. Give me those limes for life. Give me that big <laughs> money. No whammies. And then you push the button and say, stop. And whatever it lands on, that goes in into your bank. So it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The whammies are like hitting bankrupt in Wheel of Fortune, right? So you get a whammy, it takes all your money, but there's this hilariously, again, badly animated, very silly sort of cartoon where a whammy comes out on the bottom of your screen and does something goofy, like is an opera singer or is teaching a classroom of baby wham yeah. whammies or <laughs> what, you know, again, there's a million different whammies. And then they're yeah. usually pretty rude, which is funny i think as a kid yeah. that's why i like them because they were so funny yeah and that's basically it they they especially back in the 80s that was you just played two rounds and whoever had the most money won yeah uh these days they've added a thing where whoever wins the most money goes to a bonus round where it's just them and they get to you know play for big prizes custom prizes all that kind of stuff yeah uh and so yeah it was it, it ran for three years and uh, do you know why it went off the air i don't uh-uh 
So back in the day, they used an algorithm to decide how the board was going to light up. And there was a guy that just sat down and watched every episode of Pressure Luck and he figured out the algorithm. Oh, wow. So again, it's not cheating. It's Uh like counting cards, right? It's like, well, he just used all the information available and he went on the show and had a three day run where he just, I mean, he, whatever he decided he wanted on the board, he just knew how long to wait until the algorithm would give it to him. And so he walked away with a lot of money Wow! and they had to shut the show down because of that. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. pretty, that's a pretty smart fellow though, to be able to, to figure that out. I mean, we're talking pre VCRs, yeah. right? We're talking pre computers and AI that, I mean, maybe this dude worked at IBM or something, but I don't yeah. think so. Right. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I think he was just like some kind of crazy genius. So, yeah. so anyway, it came back in it came back briefly in 2003 it was called whammy Mm -hmm. and they made the whammies all like cgi and like nice looking Mm -hmm. which i think actually hurt the show i mean it only ran for a season right Mm. but the whammies are mean yeah like they make fun of you they take your money uh and so i think i think having them be crudely animated Mm -hmm. actually works in the favor of the show because you can laugh at them even as they're being mean you know and and making them look too good, I think actually hurts hurts what the show's trying to do, which is ultimately celebrate these contestants and they want to be a feel-good game show, right? Mm-hmm. And and the whammies can't be, you know, if the whammies are too hateable, uh, <laughs> then then that that undercuts that. So it was only yeah. on for a year in 2003. And then it came back in 2018 or 2019, I think, with as you mentioned, Elizabeth Banks okay. as the host. Her production company is the one that, that brought it back and works with ABC. And I mean, I was sitting in the living room with my wife. We had just pulled up Hulu and it was the banner, you know, mm-hmm. press your luck with Elizabeth Banks. And I shrieked. And, and what year would you say this was? It was either 2018 or 2019. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a, a few years ago. Been a few years. This, this, uh, what's airing right now is its fifth season. Oh, okay. So, um, 10 episodes per season. They're very short seasons, but, um, Yeah. So my wife looked at me and she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, press your luck is back. And she was one of those people that had never heard of it. Hadn't seen it. Okay. Hadn't seen it. And so I was like, all right, well, cancel our plans. Like whatever else, like this is, (laughs) this is what we're doing immediately. And in her, to her credit, like she also fell in love with it right away. Like it's just such a fun show. So, so that was kind of like, that's kind of like the history of the show and like how it got back to where it is today. Well, and and I was just going to say, too, before we get into like the the process of how you even tried to get on the show, uh, you're right. It's one of those shows that like we don't watch it all the time, but we're always pulled in like when we pull it up on Hulu or something. (laughs) And then it's like it's like, you know, before we know it, we're six episodes in. We're like, oh, I got to see what, you know, like what comes. Yeah. Uh, So does your son enjoy it? He does. Yeah. He likes to watch it, too. Uh, although right now he's into video games so when i told him i was like daddy has a friend on on tv and he came in long enough just to go cool and then he left you know mm. he was in the middle of uh roblox put 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 in the uh the bare minimum enthusiasm required by dad's <laughs> right. scene. yeah yeah but but when he stops to actually watch it yes he does and i think he loves the whammies the best too that's kind of always the thing as a kid you know you're i mean you they the are stuff. they are a real genius part of that show and i think the show does a lot of things well, but that is that is certainly a piece of them that is just really, really terrific. Well, well, JR, let's let's talk about this this 
application process? Like, how did yeah. you even start? Because I, I know you love the show. I know you're a, a big game enthusiast anyway, and this is probably like a big dream to be able to get on and play. Uh, but how did this all come to be? You're right. I mean, I watched several of my cousins, actually, when I posted, when I was finally allowed to post, I was going to be on the show. Mm -hmm. They all replied, oh, my gosh, I remember watching this with grandma as a kid. And that's it. <laughs> like, that's that's how we all got into it. Right. Yeah. So way back in the day, I always thought, like, how cool would it be if I got to go on pressure luck and get a whammy? You know, mm -hmm. that was that was all I wanted. <laughs> and so, yeah, when it came back, we were watching it. And I was like, man, I would just love to go on the show. And my wife, Amanda, said, well, why don't you apply? And I was like, I don't know. How do you even do that? Well, you know, today, unlike mm -hmm. the 80s, we live in an age where we have machines that we can ask such uh, such incredible questions. And so <laughs> right. I, I just I went to I, I went to ABC's website and went to the the games uh, page. And there's there's a big button that says apply to be on Press Your Luck. And I was wow. like, oh, OK, that's easy. <laughs> so <laughs> well, back in. Back in 2018 or 2019 or whatever, that mm -hmm. first time it came on, that was when I applied. I, I filled out the application. Wow. You have to, you know, fill out a bunch of information, but then you also have to record a little video of yourself so they can okay. see. Yeah, uh, and, and I've learned the application process. What they're looking for is energy, enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Like they want to see kind of how you're going to be on camera. Yeah. So if you're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think like it would be pretty cool to be on, like. <laughs> you know, you have a chance. Uh, so, so, so you kind of got to be camera ready, you know, like like knowing that you're going on a TV show, you know, and you. Uh, I would say, yeah, you. I mean, you don't have to have like professional hair and makeup or anything yeah. like that, but you need you need to be loud and excited. Like, yeah, they need to think that like you're going to get on that stage and be a little bit unhinged. Enthusiasm. You know? yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, that said. I, that was in 20, I think 2018 when I applied, I did not hear from them until February of this year. Oh, wow. There's a lot happened in the world between, uh, between <laughs> then and now. That's for sure. Literally every season we'd watch it and someone would be like, Jerry, you'd be so good on this show. And I'm like, yeah, I applied. Like, I guess, <laughs> guess they didn't want me, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. and so literally fr Friday, since I'm a pastor, like you Fridays and Saturdays are my day off, like kind of my weekend. Mm -hmm. So there's a Friday, my wife's at work. I'm just sitting on the couch, like hanging out and I get a random text on my phone and it's like, hi, I'm in a, I'm in a casting associate from press your luck. Has anyone reached out to you and are you vaccinated? And I stared <laughs> at my phone and I was like, is, is this a scam? <laughs> Like, but then, but then I was like, well, how would they know that yeah. I applied to be on pressure luck? Like that's, yeah. that would be like, that would be like a very low return scam, I yeah. would think. <laughs> and they didn't ask me for my social or anything. They just asked yeah. me like, has anyone talked to me and am I vaccinated? I don't care who knows I'm vaccinated. Like yeah. I put it all over my social media. So like, whatever. Right. Yeah. So I texted it back and I was like, uh, hi, no one has reached out and I'm vaccinated and boosted. Yeah. And they replied and said, can we do a phone call in 30 minutes? Oh, wow. No yeah, pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. I was like, yes. Okay. I guess this is real. And sure enough. So that was the first of probably six different people I talked to during the casting process. Hmm. Uh, and, and again, casting associate, right? So this is a, this is a entry level casting person at the casting company that they contract to get people into the final round of casting at ABC. Okay. 
right? <laughs> so this is like, this is like way, this is way outside. At yeah. the, this point, this is the, this is one of the people who is fielding the 16,000 applicants that they have for this season. Wow. Right. What so a they're job. just going, I, mm. right. Yeah. And so he gets on the phone with me. We talk for probably 10 minutes and he says, I love your energy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He actually said, uh, he, he first, he was, he said, okay, JR, I see here that you applied. And he's like, in, in 2018, is that, is that right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, and nobody's talked to you. I like, wow. No, I just thought you didn't want me. And he was like, oh, all right. Okay. And, <laughs> and then he said, he said at the end of our conversation, he said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, very few of these straight white men that we talk to have this kind of energy. And it's kind of a bummer <laughs> because we really need big energy for this show. And they're mm-hmm. all, and I was like, it's like, you know, man, it's that toxic masculinity got us down. Got to tell us we're not allowed to be excited about stuff. <laughs> so we, we laughed. And from there I had to, uh, he set up a 20 minute and it was very specific, 20 minute hard stop a video call with a casting producer at the casting company. Mm-hmm. He had me answer some trivia or he had me react. So he was like, pretend you just got this question wrong. I had to be like, ah, oh, you know, and pretend you just got this question right. Okay, yeah. now spin the board. Like, so I did like just now I'm acting right now. Yeah, I'm doing my right. audition. And that was that 20 minute video call was edited down to a three minute sizzle reel. The, I'm using air sizzle reel. Their go. words, not mine. Okay. <laughs> um and I don't know how many sizzle reels they had, but all of them were passed. So then they went through this whole huge process that I was not a part of. They mm-hmm. were sent first to Press Your Luck, who I guess, you know, winnowed them down a little bit. Then Press Your Luck sent them to ABC. Mm-hmm. ABC had their say. ABC sent them to Elizabeth Banks's production company. They had their say. And then they mm-hmm. were sent back to Press Your Luck, who then like narrowed it down to a hundred candidates. Wow. And so from there, and they're uh, again, they're only filming 10 episodes a season. There's three contestants per episode. So 30 wow. is the magic number, right? Yeah. Uh, so from that point, we're in the hands of the pressure luck people. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where I have to do a big. They're like, they're like, now pretend you're on the show, you know, get your get, you know, make sure you're dressed nicely. Uh, you have to be standing. They said, make sure all of the devices in your house that use internet are off, except for the one you're doing the video call on. Mm-hmm. And then we were with two other potential contestants and a producer. And we literally just had to play the, like pretend we're playing the game. Oh, gotcha. So that was the first time we met one of the executive producers. His name was John, who was, but the two executive producers, John and Jeffrey were amazing. Everyone was amazing. Like they have yeah. such a good culture at this show. Uh, but you know, he pretended to be Elizabeth Banks and was doing all the questions that we had to like fake that we were hitting a button on Zoom yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then from there they said, you know, we'll let you know. And so after that was when they, they ran us through a background check. We had to send in wardrobe pictures. So they gave us like some strict wardrobe guidelines mm-hmm. based on like what good for the camera. So, you know, we couldn't wear stripes or patterns because the camera didn't like that. And we couldn't wear certain colors because those would either clash with or get lost in the set. Mm-hmm. So we had to like choose out of our wardrobe and send in five different wardrobe options. Like just take pictures of us and in, in, in stuff and <laughs> send them all in and all of these kinds of things uh that's also when we're doing interviews with 
So we were assigned producers at that point. So I was assigned producers named Kyle and Emily Mm -hmm. who were, again, I could just talk about them forever. They're so awesome. Mm. And we're doing conversations with them that are both about our story, which includes everything from what Elizabeth's going to ask us when she interviews us Mm -hmm. to if we make it to the bonus round, what are our custom prizes that we're going to ask for? Mm -hmm. They give five custom prizes in the bonus round. Uh, They, I mean, they put them on the board and you can spin and hit them, but Mm -hmm. we had to come up with a list of 15 to 20. And then even they, even they don't know what those are going to be like the ABC prize. There's like a whole prize division where people like put these prize packages together and figure out it all out with the cost, you know, so they don't even know until the night of the show, like what's going to be on there, you know? Well, that that's Uh, really, I was just going to say, that's really fascinating too, that they kind of take into consideration what the guests might be interested in because uh, like for me, a lifetime of limes would probably be like three limes because I just don't use it very you know, much. So, so, so I want to distinguish. There's the there's the the um, prizes in the front half of the game, uh-huh. like the limes. That has nothing to do with us. Okay, that is literally like uh, the the woman who won the episode that aired the week that we're recording. Mm-hmm. One of the things she won in the front game was uh, twenty thousand dollars worth of garden gnomes. Oh. <laughs> garden gnomes. garden gnomes and she world? was like she was like yeah i don't i don't want i mean i don't remember what the number was it's like it was like a thousand garden gnomes or something like that <laughs> whereas i would be like i know what every single person i know is getting for christmas for the rest of my life right like i would i would abuse that so hard or you um, could you could have that one house in the neighborhood that's like right? who's that weirdo that has a thousand yeah. gnomes yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that like, that's the front half of the game, nothing to do with us. It's just okay. like whatever weird prizes they can come up with. It's mm-hmm. the back half of the game in the bonus round where they do the customized prizes. Okay. Um, you know, so it could be like, if Rick goes on it, one of the things they would definitely want to talk about is your recording, you know, mm-hmm. and your music making and all that kind of stuff. And they would just say like, okay, if you had $300,000 to build a home studio, what would it look like? Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And you could just, you would tell them, you would say, oh, it would be this and this and this. And they would be like, Mm -hmm. literally like make, make the wish list, give us like the product numbers. Yeah. Like they're like, just do it. Right. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. So, so they told us to think of prizes that are around like five to Mm $8,000 prizes that are around like $80,000 and prizes that are like two to $300,000. Okay. Very good. So, um, so again, that's all the producer is talking to us about, you know, what do we want? Why do we want that? Because again, I think the thing that this show does really well, and it is what sets it apart from a lot of the other shows, is they make it very contestant centric. Okay. Um, in the front game, they kind of want all three of the contestants to be fun people to cheer for. But when it goes into the bonus game, it's just that person that goes there and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And then they bring out, you know, one to three supporters. Okay. Uh, so usually that's a, a parent or a partner or maybe a kid or maybe mm-hmm. some friends, right? You just, mm-hmm. you just, it's kind of whoever they decide is going to be good. They, they approved uh, just Amanda for me. Mm-hmm. So if I had gone to the bonus round, spoiler, I did not go to the bonus round. I guess I, I, I assumed we were spoiling my episode. Um, that's, that's fine. Yeah. You can yeah. watch it on Hulu. It's a lot of fun to watch. That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so even Amanda, so I, even Amanda had to do an interview with the producers mm-hmm. where they're just saying, you know, tell us about JR. How did you guys meet? What do you, you know, what do you like about him? Uh, because they are working to, create a narrative okay that can be compressed into about 20 seconds that's going to make me likable yeah 
right? Because that's, that's about that's how much really time they have. Do, right? Tell me about it. You know, <laughs> these people are all stars. I told you, right? <laughs> that's great. Oh man. And then yeah, finally after all of that, which which again, that was I told you I had my first got my first text in February. That was early March by the time I finally had all that happen. And then they said, okay, you'll hear from us. As you know, I'm a pastor. So my schedule mm-hmm. is a little flexible. Yeah. My wife, uh, she, she works at a hospital. She's a social worker. Mm-hmm. And so she had to, they usually have to submit their PTO requests the month yes. before. Mm-hmm. And so as, as February is winding down and she knows we have a potential March uh, yeah. show date, she said, you know, I got to ask off. I got to ask off. And I, and they just kept saying, yeah, we don't know yet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So she actually told her boss what was going on and said, Hey, I I just may not know. And I may just need to ask off. And her boss was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Like, don't worry, we'll make it work. (laughs) So, so they were incredibly gracious to make it so that when we did finally get an air date and they said, okay, we're flying you out to California. Uh, I think we left on a Sunday and came back on a Thursday. So, so I just want to like, that's cool. Like they fly you out, like, and then they put you up when you're there and like, it's kind of, it's so it's basically an expenses free trip, if nothing else to to California. So that's That's pretty cool for you and your wife. That's amazing. That's right. They put us in a, they put us in a a very nice hotel. I mean, not like a five-star or anything, but it was, it was, you know, I wasn't yeah. worried that we were going to get STDs or something like yeah. that. Right? It, was like a, it was a very nice hotel, uh, no very pleasant, better. very yeah. pleasant stay. Uh, and then they gave us a per diem each um, mm-hmm. for food. And then, uh, and that was pretty much it. So we were mm-hmm. there, we got in Sunday evening and then uh, Monday all day, I had what they called boot camp where they, basically teach you how to play the show and coach you and all that. And you get to actually push a buzzer. It's not, you're not on the one in this on the stage, but it's, uh-huh. it's, you know, and there's a, there's a board that's projected from a laptop, but it's oh, you're wow. spinning the big board and, okay. and all that. Um, yeah, there were 12 of us, I think at that boot camp. So they divided us into four groups of three that were like our, our fellow contestants for the, the time we were there. And yeah, um, that's where they start coaching us on, you know, when, when you talk with Elizabeth, here's what, here's what she's going to ask you. Uh, and it's, it's, here's what she's going to ask you. Cause here's what we want you to say when she tees you up. Right. Okay. These are not just Elizabeth making up random questions. It's like they, they have written a script of what they want us to talk about. Okay. Uh, you know, so, okay. We want to make sure this person talks about their grandkids because if they make it to the bonus round, that's one of their custom prizes or, okay. you know, they wanted to make sure I talked about roller derby and being a pastor mm-hmm. uh you know and all that kind of stuff so um yeah they when elizabeth says now what you know what do you do for fun uh-huh. that's not just her making casual conversation right there has been yeah. something in in the process of the story that someone has said that they want to be queued up about sure. um if that makes sense so yeah, yeah they're definitely. doing all that and that was like an eight hour process i mean it was we were there all day and then they told here's the other crazy thing rick at every step along the way, they kept saying, now, we want to be clear. This does not mean you're on the show. Wow. It's a good sign. It's a good mm-hmm. sign, but it doesn't mean you're on the show. So mm-hmm. when they told us they were flying us out to California, now, we just want to be clear. This is not a guarantee that you're on the show. It's a yeah. good sign. It means you're probably on the show, <laughs> but you're not actually on the show until you're on stage and the cameras are rolling. Yeah. Okay. We get to boot camp. They're like, welcome to boot camp. Woo! Push yeah. your luck. It's so great. And we just want to be clear. 
does not mean you're on the show. <laughs> it's a good sign. It means you're probably going to be on the, you know. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, and, and there was one guy in our group that, uh, so, so they called me that night after boot camp and they said, it was my producer, Kyle he said, Hey, congratulations. You're on your air date is Wednesday. Here's what time you need to be in the lobby of the hotel, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we had Tuesday all day, just, you know, free. So we get up Tuesday morning get to go out to go out to breakfast. And one of the guys from our boot camp is hanging out in the lobby. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, Hey man, you getting ready to go film? And he goes, now nah, they sent me home. Oh, like, wow. Oh, oh Dang. man. That's disappointing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. But they weren't kidding just because you go to boot camp, right? Just because they flew you out doesn't mean that you're on the show. Wow. So, so we were kind of prepped, you know, you always, you're always kind of holding that. Like, I don't want to get like fully invested and excited yeah. because they keep telling you like, just, just so you know. Yeah. Um. But obviously I, I made it on the show. So I, I would be the same way until I actually saw it airing on television, like in in, in my home, and, and yeah. until, until I actually saw it, I would still be like, "I'm not going to be on. I don't oh, think they're going to, you know." Like, I'm just like, "Well, I got to tell you, you know, it was originally supposed to air in July, mm. and it got pushed because of the strikes, mm. um, and so that was a little bit agonizing." I, I bet. Come on, because um, so. by this point, a lot of people had heard the rumor that I was going to be on, you yeah. know, but we still couldn't really publicly talk about it. Uh, well, well, so. the, the the only thing I can relate to that kind of like what that kind of letdown might be like is is having songs pitched to pretty big name artists and those artists getting back to me and being like, we're going to record it. It's going to go on the album. And then like, it's going to be our, like I was even told one time that by, by the Gettys, Keith and Kristen Getty, like this is going to be our like title cut. We're going to use it at every concert. It's going to be the one that like we close the show out with every, like, it's going to be big. And then they backed out on it. And it was, so it was like, <laughs> like, so I went from being like, Oh man, this is amazing to like, Oh, never mind. So I know, I know those Dang. things can happen and that's, yeah. that's just sort of in like the Christian music industry. So I, I can imagine how even more so when you're in, in like a, a big production on NBC or is it NBC or ABC? ABC. Uh, ABC. Uh, which, uh, so that's a Disney itself, you know, that, that runs that whole thing. So just hearing about all these layers is amazing to me. Like to think the hoops you have to go through. Um, so yeah, please continue. Well, uh, so I want to say something about that uh, because I, like you, I was astounded. Mm-hmm. It does make sense once you understand their logic, mm-hmm. which is this is, this is a prime time hour long game show. Mm-hmm. The thing that's going to set us apart is that we're contestant centric and we have 20 seconds to get people to like these people mm. other than how they behave, right? So that's why we're casting for energy and enthusiasm. Yep. That's why we're working so hard. Now, it is only 10 episodes. Yeah. Uh, and I got my first call from a contractor six weeks before I filmed, right? Mm. So the people who are working on this show, this is not their full-time job, right? Uh, th- this is a, this is a two months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh so they, they're doing all kinds of other stuff. And my producer, Kyle, one of his other jobs is working on Wayne Brady's Let's Make a Deal, okay, which is a daytime, five mm-hmm. days a week talk show or mm-hmm. a game show, which has, I don't know, I've watched it a couple of times, right? It has like, I don't know, five or 10 contestants every mm-hmm. every episode, right? Where they just, he brings them out and they make a deal or not and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him about that and he said, yeah, listen, 
that's a daytime TV show. These contestants have maybe 10 minutes of screen time and then they leave and they're never seen again. It's five days a week. It's, yeah. it's, uh, I think he said it's like, you know, 45 or 50 weeks a year. He was like, we don't, we don't spend hardly any time casting those people. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's just get them up there. If they can put a sentence together and they know how to smile, like it's fine. I'm paraphrasing Kyle. I'm sorry. I know it's a little bit more intricate than that, but he just said that the difference between casting for a show like that and casting for press your luck is night and day, you know, where, where they, they are just like super, super, super hardcore about the contestants they bring on for pressure luck. Right. Yeah. And, and it's because in their mind, and I don't think they're wrong about this. That's what makes or breaks the show. Mm-hmm. right is, yeah. is people people want to stick around and, and root for people yeah and it's and it's a it's a big deal like and it's it's fun to watch it was fun to watch you on the show with the other contestants and i i you have a great energy about you and you get so excited about the games anyway so i it totally makes sense that they picked you for sure um but what what i kind of wondered about is it can be one thing to like be playing a game at home. Let's say you had the press your luck home version. All right. Right. And you're just doing it around the table and no pressure. What is it like when you're, cause I've been on camera a few times and something changes about when you're on camera, <laughs> you're like, and then you realize the number of people that are watching you and like, what does that do to you? Like nerves is like, is it a help to you? Do you, do you really struggle with anxiety in those moments or what was it like for you being in that place? Cause I, I know you're no stranger to being in front of people week after week in church, but suddenly you're on ABC on camera with under the lights with the loud crowd behind you. And I mean, just tell us what that's like for you. Well, you know, I used to be in a metal band, so that, that actually prepared me more more than probably (laughs) uh, being a preacher, but no, I mean, it, it, it does change things. I will say Rick, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but having Elizabeth Banks out there helps a ton. Really? Okay. Um, and that is that is not because she is a celebrity. It's because she's Elizabeth Banks. Mm. And I'm sure I, I know I know in your in your career, you've met plenty of celebrities and, mm. you know, that star power thing that they talk about, mm-hmm. like that those those people just have that when you yeah. meet them, you're like, oh, yeah, I I get it. Like this person. Whoa. Yeah. Like she has that. But she has at, at, I'm I'm guessing I was going to say betting, but we're Nazarene. So I'm guessing (laughs) that this is not just something that is innate to her. I'm guessing that is a skill that she has honed as a host. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so they, you know, they bring us out on the platform. The, the crowd is filing in and the John, one of the two executive producers comes out. Mm -hmm. He's like, Hey guys. I mean, he's, he is just like enthusiasm for days, right? He's, hey mm-hmm. guys, you guys ready? He's so excited. We're like, yeah. You know, he goes, okay, Elizabeth's about to come out. She's going to come by and shake each of your hands, introduce yourselves. Then she's going to go backstage and we're going to get the show going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, here's, here's where I pee my pants and just like <laughs> pass out. You know, like I'm about to meet Elizabeth Banks. And she comes out and you're like, oh, it's like the, the halo of light and the angelic <laughs> chorus and all, you know, but then she comes up to you and shakes your hand. She's like, hi, I'm Elizabeth. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we <laughs> literally everyone here knows who you are, but she has some ability to just diffuse a lot of the anxiety. And she, she exudes this like warmth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the best word for it is chill where she's yeah. just like, Hey, 
hey you ready to have some fun like yeah. we're we're some friends hanging out having fun you know yeah. and you're it, nothing could be further from the truth we're not friends like <laughs> i love that she's nice but like i don't have her phone number i'm not a, sending her a christmas card you know yeah and we're on a like you said national televised game show it's going to be all crazy like nothing could be further from this like energy that she's exuding and mm-hmm. yet she just makes it like really chill yeah you know and then in the game when she's asking the questions and talking back and forth it's the same she has just this like playful confidence that makes it so easy to just follow her lead mm-hmm. you know uh so that really helps a ton yeah. like the tone that she sets just with her presence and her poise uh really made it better yeah that said what people don't realize is particularly when you're spinning the mm. crowd is deafening mm. like the reason it sounds like everyone is shouting when we're spinning is because we are screaming at the top of our lungs wow. because we can't even hear ourselves wow uh and so, again so did you okay. have like earpieces where you could hear what was being said or so anything? there was a speaker okay so you what you can't see that you know the podium looks like a solid slant up to the contestants mm-hmm. there's actually a break there where there's there's a little video screen so anytime there's a whammy we can see what the whammy is oh okay we can see each of our scores mm-hmm. so we can kind of see where we are in real time and then uh there's a speaker so that we can hear elizabeth okay very uh, good. And, and the other contestants but mainly you know elizabeth yeah. <laughs> elizabeth's the one they want to make sure you can hear <laughs> right obviously during the trivia everyone's quiet right um but yeah but it's during the uh, during the spinning and stuff, it's it's deafeningly loud, and that's wow. one thing. So there's there are a bunch of us that were all at boot camp together that are all in a text thread together now. Mm-hmm. We're all texting about now that our episodes are airing. Yeah. Uh, and and after when we were all kind of debriefing, you know, and we weren't even allowed to talk about who won or lost yet or any of that kind of stuff. Like, so this is literally like you know, once we've all gotten back home mm-hmm. uh, in March one of the first things that we said was that none of us were prepared for how loud the crowd is. And every single person was like, yeah, like it's bananas. And you would just never know that from watching Mm -mm. the episode. But again, it's like, I mean, like when you crowd surf at your concerts, right? Yeah. I do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Nazarene churches are known for that. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It's, it's the, it is the kind of, it's, it's concert kind of energy, right? It's Mm -hmm. the kind of cheering that like juices you up. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not, you don't feel like people are like booing for you or, or, or something like that. So, yeah. so that really helped a lot mm-hmm. as well. But I got to tell you in the second round, especially when I, when I buzzed in three times in a row and got three questions wrong in a row, mm-hmm. I was feeling pretty dumb and knew, I knew this was going to be on television, knew I had missed one question in particular about Puff Daddy. Yeah. Because yeah, that, I didn't let Elizabeth finish the question. Well, and I panicked. Yeah. I think you need to to explain that one because okay. I, your, your thinking on that one was, was like, I, after you, I heard you explain it before, like that totally makes sense. And yet again, it's all this pressure. Like you're in that moment. You're, yeah. Every, and, and everybody's so we, on you. So. so again, when you, when I'm up there, at least I don't know how the other contestants were, but when I'm up there, I'm thinking strategy the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to get to the big bonus round. That's all you want to do. And that's what they tell you. They're like, the, you're playing the front game to get to the back end. So I hit the first, I hit the first round out of the park because they coach you. They say what you want. If it's at all possible, your goal mm-hmm. in the first round is to end the first round with the most money, because that means you get to spend last 
Mm. And that means like when it finally gets to you, you know what you need to do. If you need to pass your spins or if you need to keep going or whatever. So that that literally is how they coach you. Right. And I did that. I ended the first round with a little over $8,000. My, my other two contestants had a little over $5,000. I was like, okay, you know, stage one complete now stage two. So again, all I'm trying to do here is get spins and keep them from getting spins. But because you're, uh, you're rewarded for ringing in, of course, they always write at least one question that if you don't wait for the whole question is, is going to be tricky. Yeah. Right. So, so it could be like, uh, um, he was the first president of the United States and I ring in and I'm like, George Washington. And she goes, okay, I'm going to finish the question. Yeah. He was the first president of the United States. Who was George Washington's famous wife? Yeah. Is it Rick, George Washington, <laughs> Martha Washington, or Betsy Ross? And then I'm like, wow, wow. You know, so it's like, the, and again, three out of four questions, I could have buzzed in and been right, right? But they always have at least one that's tricky like that. You yeah. gotta wait. So as I'm playing strategy, I'm trying to think like, okay, I wanna buzz in early, but I gotta wait long enough to make sure that it's not a trick question. Exactly. So she goes in and she's like, we know him as Puff Daddy. And in my head, I'm like, Sean Combs. She goes, Mm -hmm. now he's, uh, then he was Diddy. Then he, you know, she's going on. I'm like, Sean Combs, Sean Combs, Sean Combs. I'm ready over the buzzer. And then she goes, but what is this rap moguls? And then I'm like, ring in. Uh And she started to say another word, Uh which turns out to have been real last name. What I, I, and I don't know how this happened. But like you said, pressure in the moment. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to say the word producer. Yeah. So I start panicking, right? I'm like, who is who is Sean Combs's producer? Like, Sean Combs is the producer. <laughs> like, that's what he does. Like, uh, no one produces Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy produces Puff. <laughs> but like, now I'm on the timer because I've rung in. And what I should have done was just not, not tried to outsmart the question and just said Combs, mm-hmm. right? Instead, what I did was, oh, no. I did the thing I was afraid I was going to do, which was ring in on a trick question. Oh. So I was literally, my head was just like, name another New York rapper. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, Jay-Z, right? Yeah. And she was like, I'm going to finish the question. And even like, I was like, that's got to oh. be wrong, right? Like there's no, and so yeah, she she finished the question. I was like, oh, I'm going to look like such a fool on oh, that. Man. Like, okay, the white pastor from Texas didn't know <laughs> that Sean Combs's last name was, that his name wasn't Sean Jay-Z, right? Like, give me a break. Um. So yeah, I got, I rightfully got tons of crap for, for that missing that question. So, but, but that was by then I had missed three of the four questions and had zero spins. Yeah. Right. So thankfully I did get the last question, but you know, otherwise I would have had no spins going into the last round. Well, and and then there was this, this part on the show where the, the, the gentleman at the, the opposite end of you, Carlo, uh, Carlo, um, he just got so many right in a row. Like it was just over and well, over. Well, so that, over. that was yeah. his free spins. Yeah, yeah. During the big spinoff. Yeah. So yeah, he and, and, and he so didn't, again, he wasn't getting whammies and it just seemed no. like it went on forever. And and my wife and I are like, when are they going to let JR do it again? Because <laughs> it so, seemed like a long stretch. It mm. was an incredibly long stretch. And it, it was literally historic. Like mm. Carlo is now the person in pressure luck history who has won the most money in the front game. Mm. Wow. So, okay. I mean, literally it was an historic run. So, so you literally were on a historic episode. Correct. That's yes. amazing. And yeah. just like Jeopardy, right? Press Your Luck does a bigger second round. So just like, you know, double Jeopardy, all the dollar hours are higher. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Press Your Luck. There's four squares in the back or in the second round that 
are the big squares. One mm-hmm. of them is the new one this season, the big four O, which is celebrating the 40 years of pressure luck where it's 40 mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nice. Something they're like, it could be yeah. 40 hot wheels. It's not 40 hot wheels, right? It's getting, <laughs> <laughs> although I wouldn't mind 40 hot wheels. That's all right. So no, but, <laughs> but that's not going to be a lot of money. Like when we were practicing, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, you know, in the boot camp, uh, mm-hmm. several different people hit it and it was a 40 day cruise. Wow. Or a 40 day road trip on I 40 in an RV. Yeah. Oh, right. Wow. So I mean, like big stuff like that that's worth like tens of thousands of dollars. So the big mm-hmm. four is one you want to hit. There's the vehicle. There's always a vehicle, and it's usually a car. In my episode, it was a boat that Sumati won. Uh, that's usually worth anywhere from forty to sixty thousand dollars. So again, mm-hmm. another one that's really nice to hit. Yeah. There is the double your money space, mm-hmm. which again, depending on how much you have, can be really nice. Yeah. And then there's the take the lead space, which as long as you're not in the lead, puts you in the lead by a dollar. Yeah. Uh, so I go last, right? I'm spinning last. That's the the strategy I wanted. Carlo and Sumiti only have four spins each. Mm-hmm. That's not a ton, you know? Uh, but then they just keep getting free spins. Wow. And one by one, you know, Sumiti hits the boat and then passes her spins to Carlo. Carlo gets take the lead. So now they both jump up. I think the boat was like 40 some thousand dollars, right? So they both jump up 40, 40 plus thousand dollars. Um, and, and so that's off the board that take the leads off the board. Now I'm like, well, I've got double your money in big four O. And then, you know, the last Carlos last spin, he hits the big four O. And again, it was worth, it was 40 nights at the Ritz Carlton. Right. So that wow. was, worth, I think another like $40,000 or something like that. Amazing. And so even before that moment, even before he hit the big four O, I don't know if you can see this when they're cutting around to the group shots, but like it had become clear to me that I was not going to win. I was like, mm. okay, like, like again, barring, barring multiple miraculous instances yeah. that have already all been used up on Carlo and Sumiti, <laughs> like I'm out of this game. Yeah. So I kind of shifted in my head. I was like, all right, I need to shift away from like, I'm going to try to win to just like, I want to be the biggest cheerleader for these other two that I can, yeah. you know? Yeah. And both of them, every time they got a spin, it was hard for them to decide what I do. You know, do I, do I press my luck or do I pass it? Yeah. And, what they don't show and Carl, sorry, I'm putting you on blast here, but like what they had to edit out was that every time Carlo had to decide to spin, he deliberated for a minimum of literally five minutes. Oh, like, wow. It was, yeah, it was. Um, and, and Elizabeth kept saying, you know, Carlo, take all the time you need. We need a decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, he's sitting on $70,000, $80,000, yeah. $90,000. That's huge. And yeah, that, like you said, he's still not hitting these whammies. So, wow. Well, I thank you so much for uh, like even just sharing the behind the scenes. I want to encourage people to actually go watch the episode so they can see all this. But you were an excellent cheerleader for them, too. I That did ring <laughs> through on the episode. I mean, well, thank you. Uh, which, which actually I, I really appreciate because we're always trying to teach my son, when we play games that, you know, it's not just about when you win, it's uh, the the character you have shines through when you lose uh, more than when you win. And so it was, it was kind of fun to see that and to be like, look at JR, he's up there, like, you know, cheering him on. And even in the midst of though, he's not going to win. I, so, so just a couple more questions here before zoom says, we got to quit this, uh, this fun time we're having, uh, but I'm enjoying every minute. I love hearing you recount the, all the episodes. Um, the the one question that I had um, was was what was it like when it was done then? Because I I know you've explained like oh my gosh there was yeah. there was a, a whole process leading up to it, but when it was over, like what was the, what happens? Yeah, I mean you're right. On game day, you know I, we we had to get there at noon. I don't think our episode started filming till like six. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, we filmed for two hours because that spinoff was so historic. And then as soon as Sumiti and I lost, they ushered us outside where we met. Sumiti had her daughter with her and I had my wife, Amanda, with me. And then they like sort of unceremoniously tossed us into the van and, and shut up. Like we from the time that I hit the buzzer and got that last whammy and uh-huh. ended the front game uh-huh. to the time we were in the van. I don't know that it was three minutes oh wow (laughs) and and honestly i mentioned this on on my social medias and uh and everywhere but the one souvenir i got was i did get elizabeth banks to sign a cocaine bear poster for me um (laughs) which again i didn't do that my producers did that because they're amazing um but the reason it took three minutes was because i asked someone hey they you know they said they had my poster signed and they're like oh yeah wait you guys wait out here we'll go get it so like (laughs) if it hadn't been for like someone having to go back in and track down my my poster um you know it would have been like 30 seconds tossed in the van and go so Um, delusions of grandeur are crushed that's right after this that's right and (laughs) and it was like we we were debriefing on the way home with sumati and you know her daughter and amanda and then we were just back at the hotel and, you know, we're flying home the next day. And I was actually sort of like, I was surprised what a big wave of disappointment hit me. Like, I don't oh, think wow. I realized how much I was really hoping I would get to go to the bonus round and mm-hmm. get some of those like crazy once in a lifetime prizes. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. But, so like, I was, I was pretty surprised how sad I felt. Yeah. Um, but it was really helpful, honestly, to have that text thread. Because a lot of us were feeling that way. Spoilers, yeah. uh, most of us didn't win, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of the 30, there's only 10 winners. And there's yeah. not even 30 of us in that sex thread. It's like it's like 10 of us. But, you know, it was it was really nice to be able to just feel that with some other folks yeah. who knew exactly what you're going through, you yeah. know? Because it is a weird thing, right? Like, I got to go on a game show, have this once-in-a-lifetime experience, meet Elizabeth Banks, get a whammy on national television, have a freaking signed cocaine bear post, like, you know, but then, like, I'm sad, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, you know, so it, but it's, it is a but little... But it's real, yeah. It's it true. is, yeah. right. And it's just, it was really nice to have some folks that I didn't have to explain it to, Yeah, you know? They just yeah. also got it, so... Yeah. Um, well... I, I I totally get it. I totally understand that. Yeah. Not, not from having the experience of being on that show, but yeah, there there are big things that that can leave that impression in our life. And uh, but I'm sure that's how you felt when that song got pulled, right? Oh like, man, just... yeah, it was it was crushing for a few days. It was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, your your expectations get real big, and 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 this could change everything. And then nope, nothing changed. But but that's all right too. So you you, you, <laughs> you find... just wake up and do the same thing again. You're that's like, right. You just yeah. wake up and do the same thing. Well, it's dangerous to do this. Zoom says we has eight have eight minutes left or just a little less. So I'll, we'll try to be quick with this question. But knowing that that both both of us are are in pastoral ministry um i i was thinking through this whole journey of how seriously they take this whole process like it's uh it it is a it's a long process it's it's obviously worth it for them to go through all these stages you know to to get to the final end result but you don't just start out and be like some random schmuck come on up you know and and be on this show like they take it very seriously in that world, what they do. They are professionals. Um, they have a lot that they leap through. I was just thinking like how that's actually a really amazing example, like of, of people doing things well um, in, in their world where they're at. And I was wondering how often like in, in the church, 
we don't always go through such extremes, you know, <laughs> when it comes no. to like, I was just thinking about like discipleship processes and yeah. what do we do leading up to baptism and what do we do, you know, uh, before taking a person into membership or whatever, people have no problem jumping through all these hoops to get there on TV. Like they, they, they work hard to do whatever it takes. They make videos. They haven't come down to a sizzle reel and all that. But I just wonder if you have any reflections, like thinking pastorally on this experience of, of how could I apply this to like thinking about the way we do things in church? What could we learn from this experience together? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in general. I think we are so trapped into one particular model of what church should look like mm -hmm. that rather than asking. So, so it's a little different with a church and a game show, right? Because right. the game show is, I mean, ha, that's breaking news, right? Everyone, everyone is like staggered by that hot take that churches and game shows are different. Um, <laughs> well, some pressure luck don't realize that. Though. Uh, <laughs> now I'm sad, Rick. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, let me see how to say this. Pressure luck is going out and looking for people, Right. The church is a place where where the spirit brings people to us. Mm. Um, and so I I would actually sort of flip this and say what I would actually love to love for churches to learn from this experience is uh, let's assume that the spirit has brought to us the people who are necessary, who are required for us to accomplish the mission God has given us, mm. right? If if the church is the body of Christ and, and God equips the body to do what the body's calling is, let's assume that. I think where we get into the problem is we all have received this enlightenment, modernist structure of worship mm -hmm. that is so rigid that I can drop in on pretty much any church anywhere in the country and experience more or less the same structure, right? There's a, there's a building, uh, there's music and then a lecture of some kind with or without a multimedia presentation. Um, hopefully some communion or Eucharist and then, you know, leave. And I wonder if instead of, instead of assuming we have to fit everyone the spirit brings to us into this structure. If we started with the people that we have as a part of our congregation and said, okay, what almost more like a, a more like a jigsaw puzzle without a box. Right. We're like, okay, mm -hmm. what do these pieces make? <laughs> right? right. Like, right. like yeah. what is our, what is our mission? What is our calling? And then how, how can this, or, okay. So maybe not a jigsaw puzzle, maybe Legos, right? There's not one picture, one box we're trying to accomplish. It's more like, here's our mission. What can we build out of this? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, because then again, I, I think we trust the spirit to do a lot of that. If I can be crass recruiting process, mm. um, that pressure luck does so well. Right. Yeah. But that's because they have a very specific agenda. They're doing a game show that's con you know, contestant centric and they've built a very good machine that they know how to run. I think the church yeah. has some more freedom mm -hmm. and can start with who we have, who we have, who the spirit has brought to us and try to just build something weird. And if it doesn't look very much like the traditional church structure, uh, who cares? Yeah. Right. Well, Cause it's, yeah. And, and this is what I have been thinking about just as I hear your story again today. And, and as I heard it last time, and, uh, and I, I love the way that you're reflecting on this too. This is beautiful. And so maybe we'll kind of close it out with, with this thought and all of us continue to think as the days go by, but I love the way that 
when they were going through the process, they took so much time to hear everybody's story. Like every contestant, they were trying to help you weave together a narrative of, of what your life was, what it meant. Now, the difference being um, it, it wasn't just a, a means to an end to get you on a show and then dump you back in the van when you're done. You know, <laughs> like a, an example for the church, I think when I hear that is every person's story is worth hearing. Like it's it's important for us to stop and not just not just quickly, you know, say hi and bye. But the idea that, that we would sit down, like, tell me more about you. Tell me about your family. Tell you, like, like your your story is important. And and I mean, you've you've maybe walked with race differently than I have. I want to hear your story. It, maybe you've walked with your your gender, your sexuality differently than I have. And it's important for us to like hear fully who you are and 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 for you to tell us and and you be free to do that. And, and in that way we we are not necessarily like weaving together their narrative, but maybe we're giving people who haven't had a chance to have their story heard um, a way uh, to, to bring them into the family, you know, and because and, and, those stories I think are important. So w where I take from hearing this amazing journey, like this experience that you had and, and like they were intent on making sure they knew who you were. But but their means was kind of self-serving in all that, you know, to some extent, right? Not, not, not making a judgment about that other than it's TV. Yeah, that's what you do. But imagine if we in the church would give that same kind of care. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like church may not look the same for every person that's coming in. But if we give that kind of a bow to another person, not so much for us to always be proclaiming at them, but to really like hear who you are. I think that's kind of a beautiful lesson we might be able to learn uh, from your process on, on press your luck. You know, I mean, I mean, seriously, I think it's a good thing. So, well, Hey, we've only got like a minute left. And so I didn't mean to take so long, but I have loved every minute of it. That was this. wonderful. Thank what, you. What, what have you got coming down the pike or should I just say, go to your website and find out more information? Uh, so I'm off, I'm off Twitter. RIP, uh, but I'm still on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, all those places at JR Foresteros. That's where I post all my writing these days is for magazine outlets. So I'm a okay. columnist at Sojourners. I write for Think Christian. I write for Tor.com, which okay. is a fantasy and sci-fi website. And so because it's spooky season, all my stuff is horror centric right now, mm -hmm. but I'm actually working on an article on uh, the legacy of Jurassic Park 30 years later. So that'll oh, be at wow. Sojo in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that is cool. Well, JR, it is always so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for being one of the voices in my head this week. Mm -hmm.